0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 367. Great to have your company once again. My name is Stephen Fennec, I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, the world's first cameras that can detect if you're using your mobile phone illegally while driving, and they're right here in Australia. Huawei has unveiled the Mate 30 Pro but without Google Apps and the Google Play Store and Netgear will launch a Wi-Fi 6 version of its Orbi mesh system. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to give you our verdict on the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 11 Pro and also the Apple Watch Series 5. And HP has launched the Dragonfly Elite, its lightest convertible laptop. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. (laughs) Well, we all know that driving while holding your mobile phone is illegal. There are a lot of laws around how we use our mobile devices uh, while we're driving. You can't touch it, of course. You can't hold it in your hand. You can have it in your car; it has to be in a cradle or a mount. And you, the only time you can touch it in that mount is to is for navigational purposes or to hook up some, if you've got an audio service you want to play through your car. Uh, You can't be typing out things, you can't be texting, and you can't be emailing, you can't be doing anything that basically distracts you from driving. You're in the car, you're driving, you're in control of the vehicle, you have to be in control. And if you're using a mobile device, even if you don't be, even if you're not looking at the road for two seconds, if you're looking down at your phone and maybe typing a message, and if you're travelling even in a 60 zone or worse, still on a highway, you not looking out the out the windscreen and instead down at your phone for a couple of seconds, your car has travelled potentially 50 to 60 metres without you even watching what you're doing. Now, this is a a danger not only to yourself but others on the road. People are being killed because they're distracted by their mobile devices. So this is what has spurred the New South Wales state government to roll out a camera system to detect mobile phone use by motorists while they're driving, illegal mobile phone use. So basically, if you are holding your phone, touching your phone, typing on your phone... While you're driving, so while your engine is turned on and you are driving, these cameras will catch you. It's an 88 million dollar project that followed a six month trial period for uh, they, they were set up for six months that so they looked at more than eight million drivers and actually found out that more than 100,000 drivers were using their phones illegally. Now, there's a fair bit of technology behind these new cameras. They're high definition to begin with. They use a special algorithm and artificial intelligence to recognise a mobile phone in the hand of a driver. So basically, they're looking at everyone. So your photograph might be taken. We'll talk more about privacy a little bit later, but your photograph might be taken, and it can detect if you are holding a mobile device so there is an algorithm because all the, the the thousands and tens of thousands and potentially millions of photographs these cameras will be taking, there's not, not just a couple of people looking at every single frame from every single day and saying, oh, he's holding a phone, she's holding a phone, he's not, she's not. There's a special algorithm to detect this. And those people who are detected will receive a fine, a fine of $344 or five demerit points. Now, I should point out that this system in the in New South Wales, Australian state of New South Wales, uh, where, I, where I'm broadcasting from right now, I live in Sydney, this is the first place in the world that will roll out this kind of technology. So the government, the New South Wales state government, is proactive here. They're saying that this is the, the latest risk to, to road safety. Andrew Constance, who's the New South Wales State Minister for Roads, was interviewed on uh, 2GB, and I think he was also on 4BC as well, uh, just today. And he was saying, he said, this is as dangerous as drink driving. And they're not going to disclose either where the cameras are. You know how when you're approaching, say, a red light camera or a speed camera, there's a sign that warns you you're approaching that type of camera. That is not going to be the case for these new mobile cameras. Mr. Constance says that we need everyone to change their behaviour and the element of surprise, like when they introduce random breath testing, it's random so you don't know where they're going to be. That is what made people change their behaviour and in the same way, they don't want to tell people where these cameras are because guess what? When then, when they know there's a camera there, they're not going to touch their phone. But when they know there's nothing, if there's a camera there, they're going to think, okay, well, we won't do it. If there's not a camera, then we'll do it. So that's why they don't want to give it away. There's going to be uh, a total of 45 cameras, and that's a combination of fixed cameras in, in obviously popular and busy areas. But there's also going to be a number of mobile cameras as well that are going to be put on the back of trailers and trucks and things like that. And they'll be unmarked. There'll be no warning uh, of these being anywhere near you. So again, you really just have to keep your hand off your phone. Simple as that. And uh, look, I have no sympathy for anyone who gets fined for touching their mobile devices. There's been some shocking examples. You'll see one of the images supplied for this story by the New South Wales government shows a driver with both hands on his phone and the passenger holding the steering wheel. So you can imagine these geniuses, the drivers will say, "Listen, hold the wheel. I just need to send a quick text message. Hold the wheel. I'll still press the accelerator, and you, you, you steer while I, I send this message that, that, that this person deserves jail time, not just a fine. And there are numerous others who have got who are caught in these you know you can't see their faces, but you can see there's a guy with the, with the phone up to his ear while he's driving, there's another person. Uh, with both hands while driving, probably driving with their knee, just the top of their knee, with both hands on a mobile phone, and speeding along. Another guy, both hands on on his phone, driving a big heavy truck. So imagine this heading heading your way. Driver's got both hands on a phone instead of on the wheel, and I'm sure you've got your own stories here. You've seen you've seen people beside you driving. I've seen countless times on expressways where you see a person who is looking down at, at their, in their lap, they're, they're obviously looking down at their phone, and we're travelling 80 kilometres now, 100 kilometres now on an expressway. And have a guess what, what could happen here. So I, I applaud this move. I think this is going to be the first of many you're going to see deployed around the world. Just happens to be the first one that we're getting here in Australia. Uh, The system rollout will be completed by December, and from December for a three-month period, there's also going to be a grace period where anyone caught using their phone legally during this period will be issued with a warning. So no fine, but a warning. But then after the grace period is over, no warnings then, you will get the fine in the mail. And To address privacy concerns, I I mentioned that all photographs, cars will be constantly photographed here. And what they've said is that uh, that all photographs taken by the cameras of drivers not breaking the law, so if you're just driving along, you don't have a phone in your hand, you may be recognisable. Images will be destroyed within two days. But obviously the pictures of drivers committing an offence, that is holding or using their mobile phone, they those pictures will then be assessed by a human, so they'll they'll be assessed by uh, a person whose job it is to make sure that the photographs are correct and there is a phone in the in the image and they're using it illegally, and then they will of course be retained as evidence. And like us, like getting a speeding a speeding fine, like a speed camera fine, the driver then has the the option of taking it to court or accepting the fine, however it may be. But when there is photographic evidence that you are holding your device while you're driving, uh, pretty hard to beat that in court. And it will also, if the driver can't be identified, just like if you get a speeding fine, you need to then declare uh, who the driver is. Uh, If you're a business, if you're listening to this and you own a business and you do have um, a fleet of vehicles, you'll, you'll find that, when a vehicle registered to a business uh, is fined via a speed camera, the fine is normally five to six times what the regular fine is until a driver has been nominated. So just to avoid the the, the company trying to, try to hide the driver or just to uh, don't want to admit who the driver is or maybe don't even remember or know who the driver might have been, then the fine is a lot higher. Once the driver is identified, then the fine is brought back to the proper the proper amount. But uh, interesting, this, this is going to work in the same way. The mobile the camera detectors are also going to work in the same way. But uh, look, if it if it if it makes us change the way we use our phones in the car, then brilliant. Of course, you, if you've got a mount, you've got Bluetooth connected. Of course, you can make your calls and do all those sorts of things. But it's in a mount. You're not touching it. Keep your eyes on the road. Keep your hands on the wheel. That's how it should be. You want to read more about this story, about these world-first cameras? You can check that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. All right, next up, we're going to talk smartphones, and the latest from Huawei has been unveiled. The Mate 30 Pro was unveiled last week in Munich. And I have to say, I was actually at the Mate 20 launcher almost a year ago in London, and this was a kind of a game-changing phone that had a, an in-screen fingerprint reader and a triple camera system and all the cutting-edge features. And here we are almost a year later, the Mate 30 Pro, there is now a four-lens camera system, still has the in-screen fingerprint reader, has even faster processor with the, their own, Huawei's very own silicon, the Kirin processor and a brilliant screen it has this amazing edge to edge display that that looks like there's no bezel they call it the OLED horizon display the edges curve at an angle of 88 degrees to give it that edgeless appearance looks incredible i've had it i held it in my hand camera system looks amazing they've partnered up again with Leica of course the the camera company to introduce a brand new Cine camera system. And of, there's, of the lenses on the back, there's also one that's dedicated to video. So on the back are two 40-megapixel cameras. So that's the Cine camera and a super-sensing camera. And there's also an 8-megapixel telephoto camera and a 3D depth-sensing camera. And from the front is a 32-megapixel front-facing camera. Uh, sorry, 40-megapixel super-sensing camera on the front. Uh, along with an 8-megapixel ultra-wide-angle camera and an 8-megapixel telephoto camera. So there's three cameras on the front, and the notch still managed to be smaller than the iPhone 11. We'll talk more about iPhone 11 later. But there are four lenses on the back, three lenses on the front, That's seven lenses altogether. So plenty of amazing features on this device. Looks incredible. 4,500 milliamp-hour battery as well. Two-day battery life easily. Also comes with a 40 watt supercharger that will charge your device the device to 70% capacity in just 30 minutes. That is incredible. Huawei phones, especially the last few years, have been renowned for having amazing battery performance. Like 2-day battery life was what we found with the Mate 20 Pro and the P30 Pro remarkable, and it looks like this is going to have the same. But there are some features Missing some important things that this phone will not have, and it's the result of the U.S. black ban on the this China on the Chinese company, the Huawei companies from China, which result has resulted in Google revoking their Android license. So what this means is that this device, the Mate 30 Pro, will run an Android open source software platform as well as its own EMUI, which is Emotion User Interface 10. That's their own UI. So on top of this open source Android that's running beneath is this EMUI 10, which is their user interface. But what you won't have are any Google apps, and I'm talking Google Maps, the Google Chrome browser, the Google Play Store will not be on this device. Instead, what you're going to have is the Huawei App Gallery, which actually contains more than 45,000 apps, including popular apps like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All your popular apps will be available through the App Gallery, but there are countless others that aren't. I know for a fact that all the popular dating apps like Tinder and all these other apps will not be available because... They're, not, they're banned in China. So they're not going to be part of the Huawei app gallery. So, again, the result of this black ban, the Android revoking their license. The phone will still make it to Australia. It's going to be available in a 4G variant. There is a 5G variant that they're offering other markets, but it won't make it here in Australia. It'll be available through retailers and telcos when it launches in October. So... Really impressive specs, just the hardware alone is incredible. Uh, all those features, the speed, the, the, the AI from the the Kirin 990 chip uh, is remarkable. that That's what you're going to get from the hardware. On the software side, without Google, a lot of customers may balk at this. They think, well, while the hardware is excellent, I don't want this to date. I don't want this to not be updatable. I don't want it to be uh, to restrict me from using whatever app that I want. So there's that there's that possibility as well. On the camera side, of course, you've got brilliant hardware there at your fingertips. But this is going to be a real testing time for Huawei, whether the hardware... the the sheer strength of the spec list, their brand strength and the device itself for how it can be used, whether it's going to be popular with customers here in Australia when it's launched in October. I, I would i 'm really looking forward to using this device, as I said I, I actually had a, a brief hands on look at it and it, as as a piece of technology it 's a remarkable achievement, but uh, the, the google ban is is going to affect them somewhat. I assume there is some decision coming though in late November that could set Huawei back into back to normal again uh, with, with if they decide to revoke this decision if they come to some kind of resolution. And that 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 they can actually work together and allow Huawei to do business with American companies, including Google, then uh, we may see this be uh, the, an update then for this device that will install all of those uh, and the proper Android operating system and perhaps even the the Google apps and the Google Play Store as well. But in the meantime, uh, we'll just wait and see. I will still use this device and review it as I normally do. Uh, It's going to be available in space, silver and black. Local pricing availability uh, hasn't been announced yet, but we can expect it in sometime in October, perhaps mid-October, and pricing will be announced closer to the launch date. But in the meantime, if you have any more things you want to know or you want to actually see the device for yourself, you know where to check it out at techguide.com.au. Interesting developments from our sponsors, Netgear, they, uh, they've had their very popular Orbi mesh Wi-Fi system, and they've, they've been a massive success for the company. They've, they've got a 30-day money-back guarantee that their Orbi mesh Wi-Fi systems can solve your Wi-Fi problems in your home. Well, they're stepping it up a notch uh, in early 2020 with the Orbi Wi-Fi 6 system. Now Wi-Fi 6 is the latest wireless standard which makes it up to 4 times faster than the current 802.11ac standard. Now Wi-Fi 6 is otherwise known as 802.11ax. So Wi-Fi 6 for short, which means it is faster and more efficient and combined with a with a mesh system this will be the best solution to your Wi-Fi than ever before, the mesh system uses satellites, and it, they, they, these aren't exclusive to, to Netgear. There are other mesh systems by by Linksys, by d by Google. They have a system where the the satellites talk to each other and form a a mesh network. So rather than being one point where your network is originates and and beams out to all your devices, there are several satellites, two or three around your home that are bouncing off each other and back to your modem and router to the original satellite to create this more consistent connection in your home. So today we're running high bandwidth applications. We're streaming 4K. Soon we're going to start streaming 8K. So we do need a solid Wi-Fi backbone. And the Orbi systems have been doing a fantastic job with 802.11ac now with the Wi-Fi 6 version the model number is going to be RBK852 it's going to be like moving from a congested four lane expressway to a massive 16 lane superhighway it's uh, you're going to use Netgear's tri-band mesh technology and they'll have both 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz front haul so they're going out and 5 gigahertz backhaul coming back so processing in and out and will allow you then to use those so those use cases where you're streaming 4K or you're playing online games and you want the best response. That's where it's going to come with this new system. So it combines the best of both worlds. Mesh systems are very good. Wi-Fi 6 is the next level of technology. And you're going to get both with the new RBK852. Not expected in Australia though till the first quarter of 2020, so you're going to have to be a little bit patient there. Pricing uh, yet to be confirmed, of course. But Netgear also have the new Nighthawk AX Wi-Fi 6 Mesh Extender, so you may have an existing existing network that you want to extend. They do have a Wi-Fi 6 Mesh Extender, the A EAX80. Which can improve your existing Wi-Fi network to handle even more connected devices, it can bring wireless performance up to six gigabits per second, and provide even more spatial streams to reduce the congestion for all the products in your home. So that's actually going to be available in the coming weeks. I think it's going to be October sometime. So that's going to be the the EAX80 is going to be four hundred and forty nine bucks, and you're going to get. On, on the device, you get four gigabit LAN ports. So you might put this near a smart TV, for example, or a gaming console, and you'll be able to connect it directly to that, and then this will talk back to your modem or your Orbi system, whatever it's connected to, and uh, you'll have a much better performance there. You'll have a USB 3.0 port as well, so you can add a network-accessible storage. You might have a drive connected to this that the whole family then could, could access through this network as well. That's going to be available in October. It's going to be four hundred and forty-nine dollars. It's a pretty sleek-looking device too. It's like an upright modem with the really aggressive Nighthawk styling. Looks really cool. Four forty-nine. That's going to be in the next in the next few weeks. But we're going to have to wait till early next year for the Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi six Mesh system. So keep an eye for that. I really like the new Orbi because I I think they look like a first. it, It looks like a first order stormtrooper. Check out the pictures on Tech Guide and tell me what you think. It does have that black and white styling. That's why it looks like a bit of a trooper. But anyway, you want to check it out for yourself? You know where to go. Techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton, the company that can protect you and your family online. We live in a world where. There are constantly, hackers constantly trying to find new ways to steal your personal information. And because we spend so much time online, it's quite possible we could find ourselves in a cyber criminal sites. The Norton team is dedicated to keeping people safe online no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop. Norton Security Premium is working hard behind the scenes to help keep your information, your identity, and your devices protected. For more information on how to protect your digital life, visit au.norton.com. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, first up in the reviews, we're going to talk iPhone. We've had the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 11 Pro. Uh, in our possession for the last week, and we're going to talk about what we think our verdict on the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 11 Pro. I've got to say, uh, they are they are fantastic. Is a, in a word, the 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 two models. There's the iPhone 11, of course, and the iPhone 11 Pro. Depending on what sort of user you are, I get a lot of a lot of people have asked me, "Do I really need to buy the Pro?" Well. Not not really. No one needs to buy the Pro, but if you want that added lens, three triple lens system, if you want that added finesse, if you're really into your photography, because let's face it, you're buying a camera here. I know it makes phone calls and sends text messages and connects you to the network, but the bulk of the money you're paying is because of the brilliant camera on board. So you don't buy, this doesn't make better phone calls than a Samsung phone, this It takes photos in a certain way. And what I like about the 11 Pro is that it isn't a case of, okay, there's an extra lens, go take photos. What Apple has done here is adapted the software so that the camera app's been finessed. There's machine learning, looking at objects. There's night mode working in a certain way. So you, you've got all these tools at your disposal that Apple's interface just nicely places in your hands. That's what I really like about it. Now, design-wise, the 11 and the 11 Pro look pretty much like last year's counterparts, the the 10R and the 10S. Not much different there in terms of the shape and size of the phone. Same screen sizes across the board. So 5.8 and 6.5 for the the 11 Pro, uh, and 6.1 for the 11. So nothing has changed. Uh, Screen-wise, you're getting a better screen with the 11 Pro. You're getting the super retina display. uh, And with the 11, you're getting the liquid retina display. So basically, you're getting OLED on the Pro and an LED screen on, on the 11. So it's the screen quality... While they look almost the same, there's a better brightness with the iPhone 11 Pro, better viewing angle as well on the Pro. But that's not to say that the 11 screen doesn't look fantastic. It does when you're looking at it straight on. It's got enough brightness for daytime. Uh, the thing that really caught my eye when compared to other flagship 2019 devices was just how thick the bezels are. So the black area around the screen doesn't really give you that edge-to-edge feel. Uh, as other devices do, the the, the Mate 20, Mate 30 Pro that we spoke about earlier, that has no bezels whatsoever. The image runs off the end of the phone. There's no edge to this. As as we see with the Galaxy devices, Samsung's devices, yet Apple is kind of stuck in this same design bezel screen. Screen to body ratio hasn't changed. There's just been no effort to reduce the size of the notch, and that's probably the one of the only downsides of the whole thing is that. Screen's pretty much what you got last year, apart from a bit better brightness and, and quality HDR improvement on the 11 Pro. Uh, Performance-wise, you're getting the same processor, the A13 Bionic chip, on both devices. The 11 and the 11 Pro both have the same processor, so designed to be uh, have more than 30 percent, 20 percent faster, and 30 percent less power. Than last year's A12 processor, which is good news. So it's developed all these efficiencies now on the device. Yeah, you can notice some slight improvements in the speed and the smoothness of the whole thing. Um, but the efficiency really plays into the battery life. We'll talk about that later. The battery life has improved. Uh, on the audio side, both the Pro and the 11 have Spatial audio and of a Dolby, of a Dolby Atmos as well. Dolby Atmos is where, if you're listening out loud to what you're watching on your phone, the spatial audio technology will actually place audio around you and above you and behind you, and it it sounds fantastic. But just how often do you have the chance to sit in a room and hold your phone? and listen to it out loud rather than through a pair of headphones or earphones. I was told, now I understand that the Dolby Atmos effect will carry across when listening to a pair of compatible headphones, that are Dolby Atmos compatible, capable headphones. So that, that's good news. Face ID's improved on the iPhone 11 Pro. It has a slightly wider field of view, so you can... Uh, You maybe don't have to sometimes pick up your device off a table. Uh, There are times where you still have to do that, but you just don't have to tilt it as far towards your face. It recognises you uh, from further away, and it also uh, is a little bit faster. On the Pro, they say it's 30% faster. And one other complaint, I think we addressed this last week too, uh, people are wondering, why isn't there an in-screen fingerprint reader? There's no home button, so why don't you put this fingerprint reader in the screen? That's a fair question. But with Face ID this good, you don't need it. It's, it's, a, it's I think, a waste. You, you don't, you're not going to use it. Face ID is that good. You don't need in-screen fingerprint reader. I have not missed that feature on this device, knowing that the Face ID is not only fast but, and, and excellent, but it's also very, very secure. More secure, according to Apple and a lot of other people, more secure than your fingerprint and this isn't a 5G device. We've also talked about that. 4G device, but it does have faster gigabit class LTE. So uh, in some areas, you'll notice an improvement of up to 15%, 13 to 15%. 13% in the US, I'm expecting that performance. I'm, I've, heard, I've heard reports that it has improved on 4G by more than that here in Australia, which is great news. Now, the camera is, of course, the dominant new feature. And I have to say that... This is this technology, the number of lenses and, and the configuration, is nothing new. Apple has caught up with the field. Uh, so it's not a, just a case of, they're here, have an extra lens, everyone, and go for your life. They've taken it further than that. Their camera app has been redesigned. Uh, they really help you get a better image. Uh, if, you, if you're looking at the iPhone 11 and the 11 Pro, What happens now when you open the camera app, you'll see within your frame lines, you'll see the photo through the normal telephoto lens. Now, what I like about the new system is that the app now, rather than having black bars either side and not showing you anything else, it's grayed out. These areas of of an image are grayed out and that's showing you what you can achieve with the ultra-wide camera but without, while it's still on the normal telephoto camera. So if you want to bounce out to the other lens, this is giving you a preview within the grayed-out areas on the left and right of what you might expect. And, and if you put your hand up close to the photo, the iPhone will d- distinctively think, well, there's no option for an ultra-wide shot here. So it'll black those areas again. It'll make them black. Have a look on Tech Guide. You'll see what I'm talking about with the, how it looks on the screen. But really clever, Apple, as usual, adding these nice little touches to the experience. Not the first with this triple camera system, but they have got your back when it comes to giving you these nice little touches to surprise and delight you when you use the device. They've also got a really handy little zoom wheel. So if you want to adjust your zoom slightly, and gives you the millimetre equivalent as well. So that, again, is another improvement. Portrait mode, which was brilliant already on the iPhone, has gone to the next level now. Group portraits are now a possibility. There's a great shot of my two Dalmatians that it was taken in portrait mode you can see the blurred background and uh they're, they're in in uh in focus in the foreground uh so there's those possibilities well it works on humans too of course i just use my dogs as the example ziggy and logan uh there's a couple of photos of them anyway they're always in my review images i like taking photos of the dogs but the uh the cameras the uh, uh, have really improved here so you've got The wide camera can focus up to three times faster now in low light. The telephoto has got a wider f2.0 aperture. There's also optical 2 times zoom, and you can also go up to four times uh, zoom as well when you combine it with the ultra-wide camera. Uh, And they have really thought this through, and the results are incredible. The, The phone sensors do a really good job interpreting light through the lenses, and again, the... The colours, are that's what I like about iPhone photos are so natural and, and pure because they don't just pump up light artificially. You know when you see other devices that have good cameras and they really exaggerate and flatter the photo? So they pump up the greens, they pump up the blue levels and if you were to take that photo off that device and put it on a computer, it doesn't look anywhere near as good as it did on the phone because the phone flattered the image. Apple don't do that. Apple give you what is what the real deal. What it is photographed, and what it looks like on the screen is what it's going to look like on a computer or if you're on a printout. So, like if you were to take a photo with say the Huawei P30 Pro and the the, the, the iPhone 11 Pro, then you put them side by side. Apple's going to hold its own. Uh, the the Huawei might look all bright and cartoony and and really enriched on the on the phone screen. But the actual image isn 't like that, so how I mean how the, the, the screen can flatter the image? Samsung phones do it too. They, they can flatter your image as well. You take them off, put them on neutral territory. An iPhone image next to a Samsung image going to look pretty much the same they 're both equally good. Uh, the other improvement is the night mode. Uh, both, both the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 11 Pro uh, now use one hundred percent focus pixels and the onboard intelligence software to add light. Really intelligently, so near total darkness, you'll see uh, photos. the photos I've shared of nearly one, one image is nearly black, and then the other one looks like I've suddenly put, turned a light on. So it's intelligently placed light in the areas of the photo rather than just blazing it full of artificial light. It has thought it out intelligently and giving, given a great result. Uh, on the selfie side, you get that also the ultra-wide view as well. And what I like about it is if that when you take a selfie, you traditionally hold the phone in portrait mode, but now if you turn the phone into landscape mode, the iPhone will distinctively think, well, okay, this bloke wants to take fit a bit more into his selfie and it'll bounce you out to the ultra-wide front camera to fit more room in. Really cool. Uh, and again, there's another feature they've introduced and I don't know how well it's going to go, but I gave it a crack. Slow motion selfies. Are you a fan? fees. they're called. I don't know. It's a bit cringeworthy, that name. But I gave it a crack. I shared it on on my review on Tech Guide. It's also on my Tech Guide AU Instagram account. If you're not a follower, give us a follow on Instagram. You'll see a slow motion selfie of me and my Dalmatian, my youngest Dalmatian, is Logan, licking my face in slow motion. It's interesting. It's a slow motion selfie, a slow fee. I don't like saying that, but you get the drift. Check it out. Now onto the battery. The battery has improved remarkably on this product. It is much, much better. You're getting two days battery life. I'm serious. Two days of battery performance. Uh, and and this was my daily driver. I used it. Uh, at the end of the day, I remember having 100% battery at 9 o'clock in the morning. By late in the evening, the phone had only gotten down to 65%. And then I used it again the next day. So by, the, by 5 o'clock the next day, I was down to like 15%, 20%, not even that, I think, 15%, 12%. And that could have lasted even a few more hours as well, and I decided to give it a charge. And speaking of charging, there is now fast charging on the iPhone 11 and the 11 Pro. The 11 Pro comes with the the, uh, 18-watt charger, so you can go 50% charge in just 30 minutes. Uh, With the iPhone 11, while it's capable of that sort of fast charging, you don't get the brick in the box. You've got to buy that separately. So the iPhone 11 Pro can do that. Now, full pricing is on the story. The iPhone 11 starts at $1,199. The 11 Pro starts at $1,749, and then up to whatever memory capacity you would like. Uh, There's also the iPhone Pro Max, of course. That starts at $1,899. So, uh, look, I think overall... The best iPhones they've produced without a doubt uh, brilliant camera systems, backed up by brilliant software and technology. So I think pound for pound you're getting better devices here, much better devices. Uh, and in fact, I, I reckon the iPhone 11 value-wise is uh, is pretty good. If you just want an upgrade from, if you've got an iPhone XS or even an iPhone 10, I I don't think it's need, yeah, there's any need to upgrade to this new device, but if you've got an 8 or a 7 or even a 6, then... Of course you should upgrade to this, to this version of the phone. The 11 is great value. Two camera systems, six colours, same processors as the Pro, same photographic features basically as the Pro as well, same audio features as the Pro. Uh, it's just got a different, slightly different screen and uh, is made of different material. as It's anodized aluminium instead of stainless steel, and, but, but still terrific value. But the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 11 Pro Uh, Both of those reviews you can find at techguide.com.au. Alrighty, moving right along. uh, While we're on Apple, they of course released the Apple Watch Series 5. I've also been using this device for a little while and... This will be a quick review because there aren't a whole heap of new features but there are there is a new watch OS which I'll talk about the Apple Watch Series 5 biggest improvement and this is a big one is the always-on display and just like its name suggests the time is always visible so even if you've got your hand by your side the phone it'll probably just fade a little bit, but the time can still be seen. Even if you've got the watch off on a desk or whatever, you can look down and see the time. Before, you needed to tap the screen to wake it up to see the time. And before, just like before, when you turned your wrist to look at the time, that would trigger the screen to brighten again, to light up again. Now, what happens is that time is there. Now, when you turn your wrist to see the time, it goes to full brightness. So... Adds, adds that extra feature so uh, the, the time is always there. There's plenty, been plenty of occasions where I've wanted to know the time and with the older Apple Watches, I had to turn my wrist to look at the time for me to see what the time is. Now, if I'm, a meeting for, if I'm in a meeting, for example, I can just discreetly now look down at my wrist without moving it or turning it towards me and I can see the time. So I'm not appearing rude to the others in the room by thinking, oh, okay, how long has this got to go? I'm looking at my watch all the time. Now I can just discreetly look down at my wrist and see the time, which is very handy. And you, you might be on a bus or a train holding a pole and you can't turn your wrist around and you want to see the time or you might be carrying things and you just want to see the time down by your side or you might be training, you might be running and you, might, uh, you want to see what, what how, you, how you're going for, for pace and time. It too will give you the always-on look, and what it'll do when it's, in the, when it's by your side and you're not directly looking at it, it'll reduce the information. So rather than having minutes, seconds, and hundreds of seconds, it'll just give you, say, minutes and seconds. And then once you turn your wrist, it'll then illuminate all of that information. So uh, that, that's a handy feature too. Now, what I've found is that this new technology hasn't, the battery life hasn't been impacted because it is using a new type of screen technology. That's an LTPO screen. So it's this low-power screen that allows you to have this convenience but without draining the battery uh, any, any more than the previous model anyway. So it's this new LTPO uh, screen technology so that it will operate as it normally would but it's not going to drain the battery the ltPO stands for low temperature Polysilicon and oxide display and the the, the reason it's low power is that it can refresh the can the screen refresh rate refresh refresh rate that's a mouthful can be as high as sixty hertz or as low as one hertz, so it makes it really efficient in terms of power so it's not going to drain the battery too badly. I haven't noticed any kind of uh, impact on the battery power. Uh, The other new feature is the compass. So you can see in real time, like you're holding a real compass, true north, and see what direction you're facing, and that in turn then is interpreted into maps, and and it's going to be open to developers, so they'll also help you. So like Yelp might be able to direct you physically on the screen. It'll point to where you need to go, Based on your compass heading, uh, again a handy feature can tell you incline, elevation, all this information that's going to come in handy. It's just one other thing that you can look at on on the device and find that information. Uh, now the other feature, of course, is Watch OS six, and the good news about this is that even if you don't have a new Apple Watch, you can install Apple Watch OS six on your older Apple Watch. So what new features it brings along uh, are, there's a few new features, one one including a, uh, a noise app so that you can be warned when you're in a high, uh, a, a loud environment. So you can get a warning because constant, constant exposure to loud noise could affect your hearing. So they want to give you that that knowledge that, Look, heads up, you're in a noisy environment here, you might want to move or just know that whenever you're here and these things are going on, it's loud. So maybe take care there. The other feature too is cycle tracking. So this is a great way for women to visualise their cycle uh, so they can receive notifications when their their period is about to start or when they're entering a period of fertility. So the fertility period where they know they can, if they want to fall pregnant, this is the time that they need to... uh, to, to look at, and uh, again, very handy, this sort of information, especially for, for couples who are trying to conceive, trying to have a baby, uh, If you, you can, you can be, ha, find out information about your cycle, make notes about your cycle, so that you are right on top of things and know exactly when things are going to happen for you, so you can keep track a lot more accurately uh, than you have in the past. The Apple Watch Series 5. It starts at 649 for the 40 millimetre version, 699 for the 44 uh, millimetre cellular models Start for at 799 for the 40 millimetre and 849 for the 44 millimetre. A little bit, a little bit expensive, but uh, these these are fully fledged feature-packed devices. Uh, Another downside is that the battery life doesn't really compare with other smartphones, smartwatches on the market. So I tend to find that I have to charge my watch every night. So instead of it sitting on the nightstand every night charging, it's it's an opportunity lost when it comes to tracking sleep and things like that. So uh, unless you charge your phone in the morning as soon as you wake up, then... That's another consideration. But other other smartwatches do have several days of, of battery life and can be used in those other ways. But all in all, still an excellent product, the Apple Watch Series 5. If you want to check out our full review, you know where to find it, techguide.com.au. Now, HP have launched their new Elite Dragonfly. Now, this is its lightest convertible laptop it has ever produced. Lightest and most compact convertible laptop. So, for mobile professionals, you're getting performance, you're getting security, and you're making a bit of a design statement at the same time. The Elite Dragonfly has a 13-inch display. And a screen-to-body ratio of almost 86%, which for a laptop is pretty bloody good. Weighs less than a kilo as well. So tick in all the boxes, and you can, of course, be in convertible, switch from laptop to tablet mode in an instant. It is made of uh, CNC machined magnesium, which is what it gives its lightweight construction, but also its durability. So uh, a great combination right there. The device has up to 24.5 hours of battery life on a laptop. That's amazing. So it'll keep up with you, so not having to look for power. If you're a mobile professional, you want to be working, not looking for power points. So here's a here's a product that can keep up with your busy schedule. Now, there's also an optional 4G connectivity, so you can stay connected anywhere rather than having to look for Wi-Fi. You can have add LG LTE 4G LTE. Connectiv- connectivity. And uh, that means that you can be connected even outside of Wi-Fi. So no looking around for Wi-Fi either. So no looking for PowerPoints, no looking for Wi-Fi. Boom. I think that's a pretty good solution right there. Now, this device also has your well-being in mind. It's got a lightweight backlit keyboard, uh, a, nice, a nice touch touchpad as well. And it's very quiet uh, when you're typing. You can't even hear anything when you're doing that, so not going to annoy anyone around you. But the thing about this is that it it has your back when it comes to your well-being. It'll actually remind you to take a break and will even provide you with productivity tips and wellness recommendations while you're using it. So imagine your laptop turning around and saying to you, Stephen, you've been using me for a while now. Why don't you take a break? My MacBook has never done that, but the Elite Dragonfly from HP could do, will do just that for you. It's going to be released in November and it's going to be priced from $2,699. Uh, check it out. It's going to be uh, available in November, we told you. Yes, 26 You want to see it and read our story, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech God podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. You upgrade your phone and your TV and your laptop, but when was the last time you upgraded your home Wi-Fi? It's probably been a while. Well, the future of Wi-Fi is here. It's time to welcome Wi-Fi 6. If you watch your shows on services like Netflix or Stan, then you need the newest line of high-performance routers from Netgear. It'll be giving you your streaming services the VIP treatment. The Netgear Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 routers give you ultra-fast speeds and wider coverage throughout your home. You get four times the capacity compared to today's Wi-Fi, which means you can connect more devices and stream simultaneously without impacting Wi-Fi speed and reliability. The devices of today and tomorrow demand more. So what you need is high-performance Wi-Fi that can keep up with you and your entire family. It's the biggest revolution in Wi-Fi ever, and you can be one of the first to have the next generation of Wi-Fi 6 technology with a Netgear Nighthawk router. Turn your Wi-Fi up to 6 with a Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 router. Go check it out today, netgear.com slash 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. And now answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. A quick one on the Tech Guide Help Desk. Uh, I, I get this question all the time, actually. So I'm covering a lot of people here. I had an inquiry about: Look, I've got a lot of photos in my albums. What's the best way to digitise them? To scan them? And a lot of people's first thought is to put them on a flatbed scanner, like on your regular printer. That's not really designed for photos. And you, if you do multiples, it's a real hassle. You got one document with five images in it, it's just a hassle. And if you do them one at a time, it's going to take even longer. Uh, so that, that document scanner on your printer is normally is for documents. It's not, it's not really meant for photographs. So my recommendation is the Epson Fast Photo. Now, this device, it actually looks like a little printer. But what, in fact, it is, is a fast photo scanner that can zip through a photo a second. So you can put 36 photos in a batch and it'll transfer, it'll scan and transfer every a photo per second into your computer. So you can do like albums in an hour at that speed. And it not only takes photos, it will also includes postcards and Polaroids and anything, any document it'll take. But it's obviously perfect for photographs. So if you're looking to do that, if you want to scan your memories, look, you don't want to lose your photos. Well, if, if I asked you a question, what's the first thing you'd grab if your house was on fire? You'd say your photo albums. You can't replace them. So with the Epson Fast Photo, the FF680W is the model. 799 bucks. Worth the investment. Maybe buy it as a family. Like, share the cost and, and share it around. Maybe the, a great way to digitize all your photographs. If you want to read that review, the Epson Fast Photo F680W. Check it out at techguide.com.au. And that is our show for this week. Time really flies. We hope you enjoyed that. Everything we've talked about, though, you can read further at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a voice bite. Hit the record button on the Tech Guide homepage. Uh, and you can record your question, So it's your voice on the show, and I will answer your question on the podcast. Amazing. If you want to also send us an email, we accept those, info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online, so important. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, as we always say, Stay safe and stay connected.